0: So first it was coffee, the price going up. We talked about that yesterday. And word today that gas is now also on the increase. Here is Ian Lee from the Sprott School of Business at Carleton University. He joins us now here on Global News Radio. Ian, good afternoon.
1: Uh, good afternoon, Jeff.
0: All right. Why is gas, Ian? Why are we about to see a price spike there?
1: Uh, I think there's two separate reasons. Um, um, and they're, they're, very, they're very different. Uh, first and foremost, I think people are forgetting already about the carbon tax, uh, which is going up every year. Uh, it started at $30 a, uh, a ton, and it's going up to $170 a ton by 2030. That's a 470% increase. So what I'm trying to say in plain English is the price of gasoline is going to go up every year from now on until 2030. So. If you think the gas prices are high now, you ain't seen nothing yet. They're going to keep going up because of the carbon the, tax, uh, the carbon tax, uh, the carbon tax on, on gasoline, which is also on home heating fuel if you heat your house with natural gas or oil or propane, which is, according to SASCAN, 80% of all the homes in Canada. So you're going to see your costs go up uh, well above inflation. The second reason for gas prices is that um, the, the international price of oil is, is returning, it's going back up. It went down very, very low during the pandemic because everybody stopped driving, planes stopped flying, factories stopped working. And so the demand for oil plummeted. And so the price of oil went uh, down very steeply. I mean, at one point I was gassing up in Ottawa, and I think it was uh, a year ago, I'm talking about 85 cents a liter or something like that. Now demand is returning around the world. Oil prices are returning to, let's call it normality. And, um, where they were before the pandemic. That's what I mean by normality, um, and so we're seeing them go up for that reason. Um, and uh, so that just represents fundamental, you know, long-term supply and demand. Uh, but the uh, so that's the second reason. But the overarching reason I think is is that, um, and what we're going to experience, and and voters and drivers should understand this. I'm not saying we shouldn't have a carbon tax. I'm just saying we have to understand what it means. And the meaning of the carbon tax is it's designed to drive up the price year after year after year of gasoline and diesel, uh, to drive up the price of any fossil fuel, which means oil, natural gas, gasoline, diesel, propane. And so we are going to face steadily increasing prices um, year after year uh, because of this legislated uh, carbon tax that's going to fall on all of us.
0: Okay, so those are the factors. Do we have a handle on just how much the price of gas is going to spike? How much it's going to go up, short and long term?
1: Um, I don't. Uh, I mean, we're we're talking forecasts now and speculation. Um, I, 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 you know, there's there's forecasts all over the map. I, I don't long. You see, there's two. There's competing trends going on. Uh, that is to say, there's the rise of alternatives that we all know about. People are poorly pro- promoting um, wind, solar. Nuclear, uh, nuclear is not so competitive a force because it is so frightfully expensive the capital cost. But as you know, uh, governments everywhere, Canada, the states, Europe, Ontario, are are uh, subsidizing more wind and more solar. So that's at the margins that's reducing the demand for oil. However, demand as we grow our population because of immigration, which I strongly support, but more people use more energy, and that includes fossil fuels, and that includes increase in, in, uh, in uh, GHG. Um, and, and on top of that we have economic growth. So you have these offsetting trends. I I don't, think, I don't think we're going to see a huge increase in the price of oil. I think it's going to stabilize somewhere in this area where it is now. We're not going to see a huge increase. What will drive prices up for, from now until 2030? So that's the next eight years. Um, eight and a half years, um, is going to be the carbon tax, which has been very deliberately designed to make the use of gasoline, natural gas, oil, more expensive for each one of us. All Uh, right. So voters, drivers have that to look forward to for for as as far as the eye can see.
0: Okay. Drivers, of course, are also going to vote with their wallets. And what do you think this is going to do? You mentioned alternatives a second ago, Ian. What do you think these rising prices, gas prices, is going to do when it comes to uh, EV vehicles and uh, the sale of electric vehicles?
1: I think you've asked, I really do believe you've asked the uh, the well, one of the most important questions of all. And uh, because EV vehicles, and I've seen some really uh, honest, empirical uh, analyses, not by ideologues who are selling EVs or by those who are... Crashing them, and I've seen objective empirical analyses. EVs are still more expensive. The capital cost of an EV, without subsidies, without any car, without any government subsidies, is still significantly more expensive than an, an than an industri- uh, internal combustion engine. Okay, so th- there's no doubt about that. The second problem, of course, is the range and the charging stations. There's very few charging stations in Canada, and. Uh, and and so and then the third problem and i think it's going to become more discussed and not only in the campaign but going forward and that is and i'm doing a study right now for the McDonald laurie Institute in a think tank in Ottawa called the Cost of Decarbonization and looking at the the cost and our politicians and and, and uh, environmental groups have i think uh, profoundly misled us i'm not against it i'm just saying let's be honest with each other and be truthful the U.S. has a study out, a very reputable study, that says the cost of complete and total decarbonization, ripping out all natural gas and all oil and all propane, is going to be north of 5 trillion U.S. dollars. The U.K. government has one, a new study, or the uh, study in the U.K. It's not U.K. government, and it's going to be 3 trillion pounds, which is over 5 trillion U.S. Uh, Canadian dollars. We are looking, if we go full decarbonization, we're looking at the tr- in the trillions, because you've got to rip out every natural gas furnace in this uh, country. And and every oil furnace, and every propane, and 80% of us, I'm one of them. Uh, Every natural gas water tank, every natural gas barbecue, every propane barbecue. I mean, that's all part of decarbonization. And it's going to be frightfully, frightfully expensive. And where I'm going with this, the grid is not ready. And and, and, uh, Ontario Hydro will tell you this. If we displace the 80% of the totality of energy in our country provided by oil, natural gas, propane, that's from Natural Resources Canada website. It's not me making this up. 80% of our energy comes from that, and only 20% comes from electricity. So people want to increase the uh, the electricity from 20% of total uh, energy use to 100%. This is a gargantuan, unbelievable, enormous increase. The chief engineer of Toyota that is very pro- Uh, Alternative engines and alternative energy testified before the U.S. Congress only two weeks ago saying it is physically impossible to switch all the cars in the states in the next 10 or 20 years to electric cars because the grid is not ready to deliver the gargantuan, voluminous increase in the electricity needed. A good example, Jeff, California three weeks ago, really hot. Everybody knows that. Everybody turned on their air conditioners. California has one of the highest penetrations of EVs. They're all the way up to 4%. That means 96% are still gas. And the, the, the head of the electrical grid in California said, please don't charge your cars. You're going to crash the grid. And that's only 4% of the cars because the grid has to be massively rebuilt in Canada and the States. And the grid, it's going to take years and years and years to rewire the entire grid. For so the grid, so everybody understands what I'm talking about, we're talking about the wires running down every street that go into your house and into every office building. And right now, every hospital, every university, every school, every high-rise building, pretty well, almost every building in this country is heated with natural gas. So we're talking about ripping out, uh, there's 15 million homes in Canada, 12 million of them are using natural gas, oil or propane. Every high-rise building you see in downtown Toronto or Hamilton or anywhere, okay, every school, every hospital is using natural gas. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're switching. I get it. But people don't realize what that means. It means we've got to rebuild the grid to deliver massive increases in electricity. The grid's not ready. The Canadian Electricity Association in Toronto says so. It's going to require a massive rebuild
0: okay. and
1: uh, convert to
0: 100% electric cars. Here with uh, Ian Lee from the Sprott School of Business. Ian, I only got about 60 seconds left, but I also wanted to ask you about inflation because the, the numbers are up a 10-year high when it comes to inflation last month. Uh, What is driving this, and is life uh, becoming too expensive, and should this be more of an election issue, do you think? I know there's a lot of big topics for 60 seconds, but go.
1: Sure. I'll try and be really, really quick. There's two separate things driving it, in my view. One is the temporary interruption in the supply chain around the world, the supply chains uh, of everything, food, cars, computers, doesn't matter. And it got interrupted by the pandemic. We locked down the economy, told everybody to go home pretty well, and we did it not once but three times. at least in our country. So it's disrupted the supply chains massively. And so some of the spikes are coming from the disruption in the supply chain. I argue that a second contributing factor is the massive uh, support provided, which I strongly supported like everybody else, but we've kept on providing it to large numbers of people, even though the unemployment rate is almost back to pre-pandemic levels. And this is creating labor shortages, which is driving up wages, and businesses are going to start increasing their prices because they're saying, look, our costs are going up, and then workers are going to say, well, we need wage increases because the prices are going up. The risk is inflation will become embedded. If it does, the central banks in a year or two, probably in a year, will be increasing interest rates. So there's a correlation between increased permanent inflation and interest rates, which means the rate on your mortgage and your car loan and your bank loan and so forth will be going up if the inflation remains entrenched or embedded at a higher level than before.
0: All right, we will see. Ian, appreciate you breaking it down for us And the time as always. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks very much, Jeff.
0: There's Ian Lee from the Sprott School of Business.